My name is Nicholas Haskins, and over the past 40 years, I have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen. I believe in scratch cooking, fresh ingredients, and positive energy. Join me on this culinary journey as we discuss the weekend food, and I break down a recipe step-by-step for you to make it home. Welcome to Nikolai's Kitchen. Hello, good morning, hi, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope that you and yours have an absolutely wonderful and safe holiday season this Thanksgiving, and I hope that you guys have some absolutely delicious food. I put a poll out over in the Reserve Seating Facebook group, and I asked people if they wanted to hear the episode that was slotted for this week, which was French onion soup. I already have it recorded. It's all ready to go. But then I was like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. I asked Rebecca about it, and she was like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. And I asked you guys about it, and you said, yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. Overwhelmingly won the poll. (laughs) Overwhelmingly won the poll that you guys wanted a Thanksgiving episode. So here it is. I, of course, am Nick. Thank you so, so much, everyone, for coming on this journey with me. And that's going to be today's little bit of positivity. And then, of course, is to be thankful. Close your eyes for just a moment and think to yourself about all of the things that you have in your life that you're thankful for. Maybe you're thankful for your family. Maybe you're thankful for your wife or girlfriend, your husband or boyfriend. Maybe you're thankful for your kids. Maybe you're thankful that you've got a job if you do have one. Maybe you're thankful that you have a roof over your head, hoping that you have one. Maybe you're thankful that you have transportation if you do. Or maybe you're thankful that you don't and you don't need it. Maybe you're thankful that you have roommates. Whatever it is, think now, what are you thankful for? And just take a moment. Just really think about all those people in your life, all those things in your life that you're thankful for. Just just whisper, thank you. Just tell each and every one of them, just let it out of you. Because make no mistake, it's the people in our lives and it's the things in our lives that make us who we are especially the relationships that we have with people that make us what we are. My life, for example, is much, much, much different than it was a year ago. I could not have imagined a year ago that this would be my life now, but it is. And I personally am extremely thankful for my two amazing kids. I'm extremely thankful for my girlfriend, Rebecca. I am so amazingly thankful for a great family. 
and a wonderful, wonderful group of friends that always has my back and is always such a blast. I recently just connected with a whole bunch of friends to play some Among Us. If you've never played it, you've got to play it. It's really, really fun, basically. You run around a ship and, you know, if you're the imposter, you kill people. Otherwise, you're trying to do tasks to win. But we recently connected like a whole bunch of college friends and whatnot for my friend Cassie's birthday. Happy birthday, Cassie. And all played among us. And it was such a blast. And I laughed so, so much. Rebecca played with me and she was having a really good time as well. It was so wonderful. And I just remember thinking when I was doing that, I remember thinking of just how lucky I am and how grateful I am, how thankful I am to have the amazing people in my life, the amazing network of support that I have emotionally, mentally, physically, everything. I have such a good network of people around me from family to friends to a wonderful, wonderful partner, Rebecca. Thank you all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that you give to my life because my life it wouldn't be the same without you. And even if I don't talk to you every day, or even if I don't see you all the time, especially now with the pandemic, a lot of us haven't seen each other outside of virtual stuff in quite a while. I love you. I am so, so, so thankful for everything that you give to my life. I'm also thankful that I have a good job. I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head. I can put a roof over my head and my son's head. I'm thankful that I have reliable transportation to get to and from the store or to and from my job when I do need to go into the office. Sometimes I do need to go in. I'm really, really thankful for all of those amazing things. And I'm thankful for really good health. I recently lost 125 pounds and I am eternally grateful, even though I'm on a little bit of a plateau right now. But all that means is that I just need to keep working and try some different things and mix some different things into my routines and keep pushing in the right direction. My health, I'm so, so thankful for my health. And I'm just infinitely thankful for things in my life. For this show, I'm amazingly thankful for all of you beautiful listeners out there. Every one of you amazing people who has taken the time to download this and put it into your ears. I love you. Thank you so, so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me. It means the world to me. Thank you so much, especially to my amazing patrons. Please sign up if you haven't over at patreon.com. You get exclusive episodes. You get exclusive recipes, including I just posted it tonight as of recording night, my tart apple pie with a cookie crust. I just revised the recipe and I'm going to be making it this Thanksgiving, but that is the November 2020 Patreon exclusive recipe. So please head over there. I did make it available. This is the first one. And because it's Thanksgiving, normally they're only available to $5 and up patrons, but this one's available to all patrons, any level, no matter what level you sign up at. Sign up for a buck or two bucks. You're going to get that tart apple pie recipe with cookie crust. $5 and up patrons, you're going to get bonus episodes every month. I've got a bonus episode I'm going to be recording very, very soon that's going to be going up by the end of the month and high level patrons you guys get something from my kitchen once a quarter and i'm looking first weekend in december i'm looking to bake christmas cookies and get those out in the mail to my amazing amazing patrons please keep in mind you'll need to have this signed up like by the time you hear this if you do want to get in on that patreon level make sure you sign up immediately if you sign up too close to that day i won't be able to get your cookies okay so if you want cookies sign up <laughs> 
But I love you all so, so much. I'm so, so grateful and I'm so, so thankful for all of the amazing people out there, all of the amazing things that you give me, my podcasting peers and the podcasting community, beautiful people from all over the world whose faces I've never seen for the most part, but you support me and you're here for me. And it means the absolute world to me that I have such an amazing network of support around me. When I jumped into this venture, leaving Epic Film Guys and, you know, trying to throw myself wholesale into this whole food thing, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's really not up to me. The only thing I can do is just kind of sit here and keep putting out content for you guys week after week and let you guys know what's going on in my life and let you guys know just what I've got going on in my kitchen. So we're going to skip this week in food. We're not going to talk about that at all because we're going to focus entirely on Thanksgiving dinner. Now, this week's featured recipe is going to be the turkey. It's going to be the bird. It's going to be the centerpiece of the whole meal. You put that guy in the middle of the table, and that is the beacon of light from which everything shines. Everybody loves to see that beautifully golden skin coming out of the oven. Just the smell in the house as you roast a turkey slowly over the course of half of a day, quarter of a day, whatever the case may be. There's nothing on earth like walking into a house on Thanksgiving. And I really, someday, you know, once this pandemic is all behind us and everything, I want to get a house. And the first thing that every holiday, not even just Thanksgiving, but, you know, Thanksgiving especially, I love to cook for people. I'm going to just en masse, just like get people into my house, just like pack them in and just feed them all. And it's going to be such a beautiful thing. And I can't wait for that to happen. What do you guys like to have on your Thanksgiving table? I just recorded an episode not long ago of two peas on a podcast with my buddy Gerald and Melissa from Brook Reading. And we talked about our favorite holiday dishes. And outside of one, I was really surprised at how just kind of quote unquote traditional. Like if you think about a traditional Thanksgiving or holiday meal, how traditional mine actually is. It's actually really, really straightforward. No frills, nothing very complicated about it. I like on my table some dressing slash stuffing. I like some cranberry sauce, which I do make homemade. I like some dreamy, and I mean dreamy mashed potatoes. And, you know, sometimes a vegetable sometimes not. We decided to nix it this year because we decided we had enough food. I had to get a 23 pound turkey for four people. <laughs> that's the, that's the smallest turkey we could find. Rebecca and I went grocery shopping and she got everything for Thanksgiving dinner. And that was literally the smallest turkey they had in that case. I mean, what are you going to do? You got to do what you got to do. Hey, you know what that means? A lot of turkey leftovers. That's what that means. I'm in trying to make my own mustards right now and I'm doing a little bit of testing and uh, I will let you guys in a little little sneak peek into that process mustard number one not not my best effort not the best effort I don't think I think uh, I can do much better and I'm kind of eager to try to do much better so we'll have to wait and see what we can do for that but yeah those are the only real things that I ever have on my table especially potatoes Oh, gravy, of course. You got to have gravy. I included that with the turkey recipe because I really feel like you have to have the pan drippings from the turkey to make the gravy. So I really feel like that's kind of part of the turkey cooking process. So I put that as part of the featured recipe. That'll be in the featured recipe section of the show. Yeah, stuffing, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce. 
Got to hit the big three. I know a lot of people like their sweet potato casseroles and green bean casseroles with the crunchy onions on the top and a lot of different things. Depends on where you're from in the country, what you might be putting on top of your Thanksgiving dinner or whatever the case may be. Let me know. Let me know on social media what else you do in your household. What are the customs you have? Do you not cook turkey for Thanksgiving? Do you cook something else? My mother used to do lasagna for Christmas every year. She only ever wanted to do one turkey a year, so she would skip it on Thanksgiving. Some people I know will just get, you know, a turkey breast or something. They won't even get the whole bird. I get the whole bird intentionally because I want to cook it down for turkey stock, which I'm actually going to be using some of last year's turkey stock. I've had it frozen in the freezer. I've got it thawing out right now, and I'm going to use it this year to make the dressing. I can't wait. I'm so excited, guys. I'm so, so excited. I'm so excited to tell you guys all about all this different stuff that I'm going to be making for dinner. So when it comes to mashed potatoes, what's your philosophy? Do you make Hungry Jack potatoes? No judgment. I used to make Hungry Jacks way back in the day, way when I was a young boy. When I was a young boy. No, I will not sing My Chemical Romance right now for you guys. (laughs) promise I will not. Yeah. Uh, Do you use things like red potatoes and keep the skins on? Do you get like, you know, some people like to go weirdly uh, off on the rails and get like salt potatoes for Thanksgiving or whatever the case. I am, as I said, this is all going to be fairly traditional for me. Five pounds of russet potatoes, depending on the crowd. Five pounds is going to be this year because we've only got four people, which is going to leave a lot of leftovers. I boil those in a big stock pot of salted water. You want to get that water nicely salted. And then I add a a quartered onion and some garlic in there as well. And then once it's boiled, once it's done, I use cold butter, warm cream. I will feature my mashed potato recipe probably in a quick bite at some point because it's something that I do love to make pretty often. But yeah, cold butter, warm cream. And, you know, sometimes I just use milk. Sometimes I just use evaporated milk. This Thanksgiving, I'm going to be using a mixture of heavy cream and evaporated milk. I'm trying to avoid using a ton of heavy cream in the entire meal because I think it was, <laughs> I think it was 2018 when I made Thanksgiving dinner. I used almost 10 sticks of butter. And, I mean, that's amazing. Like, it tasted it's it's so good, but it's so good because it has 10 sticks of butter in it. So the last thing I want to do is then fold in like an extra, you know, half a gallon of heavy cream between all sorts of different dishes and whatnot that I'm making. Because I'm already going to be making homemade whipped cream this year for pumpkin pie. And there's going to be a little bit of heavy cream in that. And, you know, I just so I don't want to overdo it. Sometimes I'll make it with all heavy cream if I want a heavier potato, if I want something that's really dreamy and kind of decadent, it whips up even nicer with heavy cream. But other times, yeah, I'll just go with milk or whatever. But that's the whole trick. Cold butter, thank you, Ann Burrell, warm cream. That was where I first learned that tip was from Ann Burrell. I believe on an episode of Worst Cooks in America, of all things. You mash the potatoes by hand or you use a potato ricer. I have a potato ricer. When I got this thing, I didn't know what I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a French fry maker. I put a whole raw potato in there and tried to smash it through the ricer. It does it doesn't even do anything because it's got just like this little plastic plunger thing on it to push it through this grating. It didn't work, so I didn't know what it did. So I just kind of tossed it aside, I think, for years. And then I finally got it back out. I was like, let me see what this thing actually is for. So I actually looked it up, which you think I would have done the first time, but no. 
And yeah, you actually use it to mash potatoes because the last thing you want to do is over mash potatoes because then you can overwork that starch and they start to get gluey. And I feel like, cause I whip my potatoes. I whip them with electric mixers, but if you just do that from the start, I do kind of notice like once you get it worked to a point where you're happy with it, there can be a little bit of a gluey texture to it. So mash by hand or use a ricer. So that way they're already crushed up. Just get them crushed up nice and good. That's when you add in your cream and your cold butter, and then you start whipping. You get everything kind of incorporated together. Now you add your seasonings. First, taste. Taste first. What does it need? Every batch of potatoes is different, and this is something that I'm going to talk about a few times today. Every time I make mashed potatoes, it tastes a little bit different. Granted, I don't really pay attention to how much I'm salting the water, and you never know where your palate's going to be that day. Taste it. What does it need? It's going to need salt, and it's going to need pepper. Add those to taste. Some people like a lot of pepper. Some people don't. I personally do. Add salt and pepper and you're good to go. Whip it. You still, I honestly, I'm fine with a few chunks. I'm fine with chunks. I want a nice whipped consistency that's very rich and potatoey, but not gluey. Like I said, don't just sit there and keep whipping it until every single tiny little lump is smoothed out. I'm fine with a couple of nice lumps of potato in my mashed potatoes. I don't care about it because it's so velvety smooth. Are you a wet or a dry stuffing person? I'm not talking stovetop. I'm sorry if you're a stovetopper. I can't help you. <laughs> Again, no shame. Just like the Hungry Jack. I used to make the stovetop back in the day. Like I think the first ever Thanksgiving dinner I threw together, this has been decades ago by now, was stovetop and Hungry Jack. We all start somewhere. So don't be ashamed of it. It's perfectly fine. But I can't help you now if that's what you're going to do. <laughs> make it from scratch, ladies and gentlemen, I promise. But there are different schools of thought. You can make it a little bit more on the dry side. Or you can make it a little bit more on the wet side. I personally prefer it to be a little bit wet. Because then when you bake it in the oven. Now, I'm a very, very firm believer in stuffing the bird. I always, always, always do stuffing in the bird. Because I want that nice just amazing turkey juice to just kind of drip in and infuse that stuffing the entire time it's in the oven. And the taste of it and the texture of it is so much different than just the normal dressing when you bake it on the side. I make enough to do both. I want both on my table. I want stuffing. I want dressing. The dressing is a little bit drier. The dressing has a kind of crunchy, crispy texture, especially on the top because you don't bake it covered. The stuffing is much, much wetter because, of course, it's been inside of the turkey, so all that moisture is just retained in there. If you're somebody who's really worried about making sure it's done, toss it in an oven-safe dish and chuck it into the oven. That's something that I recommend in the featured recipe portion of the show, but I thought I'd throw it in here, too, because it's really important. Throw it in the oven if you're worried that it didn't come to temperature. Check your turkey temperatures. Check your stuffing temperatures if you're stuffing your turkey. Most of the time, almost all of the time, in fact, I don't check temperatures when I do things in the oven. Don't really need to. I've never really had an issue with things coming out timed properly and coming out cooked all the way through. Turkey is the exception because you don't want to mess around with turkey at all, ever. So double check your turkey temperatures. My stuffing this year is going to be made with ciabatta bread. I cannot wait. I also add fresh cranberries and I'm going to be adding a couple of chopped Honeycrisp apples this year. Lots of onion, lots of celery, 
lots of garlic, lots of sage. And then you just kind of bring everything to a boil without the bread. You cut up all the bread into like one inch cubes, chuck it all in, and then boom, you're done. You're good to go. My stuffing recipe, I will post over in the Facebook group and on social media so that way people can see it. It changes a little bit every year. And I feel like the best food does this. I feel like the best food and the best recipes, they always evolve a little bit. They always change a little bit. You add this, you take out that, you do this different, you do that different. Just always innovate. Always try to change things up a little bit. You know, go against the grain. Throw some things in there that you might not. Get some different textures in there. Throw in something sweet. Like I said, I love especially a Honeycrisp apple. Honeycrisp apples, they're nice and sweet and very, very crisp. So they got a nice snap to them when you bite into them. So you're going to get that textural component when you bite into it. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, cranberry sauce. Now, are you a jellied cranberry sauce or are you a whole berry cranberry sauce kind of person? Are you a homemade versus the can? And you have to make that sound specifically because if you're a devotee of canned cranberry sauce, I was once up until 2017, the first year of the restaurant podcast, I made it homemade for the first time and I'll never go back. I absolutely fell in love with homemade cranberry sauce. But as I've also learned, you know, in talking to Rebecca and just, you know, our relationship as it develops, swears by canned even bought a couple of cans of canned cranberry sauce just so her and her daughter can still have canned cranberry sauce. And I made a compromise with her. I'm going to make homemade cranberry sauce this year, but I'm going to use the empty cans from the cranberry sauce that she's eating and I'm going to pour it in there. So that way we could still pour it out on the table and just, and then cut it. So you still have the little rings on the sides of it and everything. But yeah, I always, always ate canned cranberry sauce. And I really like canned cranberry sauce. There's a lot of pectin just kind of naturally in cranberries. So they solidify. You don't have to add gelatin. You don't have to add pectin or anything like that to them. When you cook them down, they jelly up like that just by themselves. This year, I'm going to be doing it in a white wine. I've done it in, I did it in a, a white cranberry juice one year. And I always vary the amount of sugar I add. I always vary the type of sugar I add. I think this year, in years past, I've done dark brown sugar. I think this year I'm also going to do dark brown sugar. I love those darker sugar elements, the molasses-y kind of flavors, that what it brings out in the cranberries. And I always add orange juice and some orange zest to it. Chuck a cinnamon stick in there and just let it cook around with the cinnamon stick for a little bit. It puts a little bit of cinnamon just kind of at the back of the bite. Like you're tasting everything else and you get cranberry, 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 and then boom, there's just a little hint of cinnamon floating around in there somewhere. Turns out amazing. And I always, always recommend if you want to go with white wine, go with a semi-dry to dry. Don't get a sweet white wine. You don't want to over-sweeten your cranberry sauce. At least I don't. I want that tartness. I love tart fruit flavors. Don't overdo it with the sugar in this. Let the cranberry be the star of the cranberry sauce. You don't want this to just be overly sweet. We are going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, it's time to talk featured recipe, which means it's time to talk gobble, gobble turkey. So I'm going to talk about brine, and I'm going to talk about my method for roasting as well as another method of roasting if you don't do my method. And we'll get into all of that right after this.
it is time to talk turkey. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Don't ask. But oh, I love turkey. I love turkey, but I love it sparingly. It's definitely not something like chicken I could eat all the time, anytime. Because it's so versatile and there's so many different things you can do with it. Turkey is rather temperamental kind of representing the bird that it comes from, you know, it's, it's very temperamental. It takes a lot of work to really coax out the, the brilliance of Turkey to really coax out the, the, the greatness that's in it. It's definitely really, really good. And I really love it in a lot of different ways, but yeah, it's not something that I can eat very regularly, but I love, 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 love Thanksgiving Turkey. Have you ever brined a Turkey? I hadn't until a few years ago. First time I ever brined a turkey, I was blown away by the difference in moisture in the meat. I guess I was reading some about it. I was doing some studying, and I basically, I guess it's the salt really, really just kind of adheres to those proteins in the meat and really just plumps that thing up. It's amazing. I love it. So this year's brine as part of my featured recipe was one gallon of water. I did four 16-ounce cans of beer. I went with Ithaca Brewing's Lakeside Lager. I wanted a nice lager because I wanted some nice kind of smooth, sweeter malt flavors to play around in there. And you'll see more why in a moment. I did a sprig of fresh rosemary, two sprigs of fresh sage, four sprigs of fresh parsley, and I just roughly chopped all of those. Just kind of just a, a really haphazard, like, like just, you know, so there's some decent size pieces, but nothing where you're like finely chopping it or anything. This is going into a big pot of boiling water and beer. Like you don't really need to finesse it a lot, <laughs> basically. Then you're going to want two large or three small sweet onions, and you're going to quarter them. A half a cup of whole garlic cloves. You can have these if you want. It's really not going to matter very much. I did one large cinnamon stick, a half of a tablespoon of whole cloves, three tablespoons of black peppercorns, three quarters of a cup of salt. You want to really, it's brine. You're making salt water, basically. The peel from one lemon, the juice from one lemon, which you're going to reserve. Okay, reserve that juice and set it off to the side. One and a half tablespoons of fresh ginger. I bought a, a chunk of ginger to make some other things. And I just lopped a piece off the end of it and just roughly chopped it into six decent chunks. Like I said, it ended up being about one and a half tablespoons. And then six to eight bay leaves. So everything here, except for that lemon juice, chuck it into a big stock pot. All of it. Throw it in there. Let it come to a boil on high heat and then let it boil for give or take eight minutes. You don't really need to just boil this and cook it down or anything. All you're really trying to do is you're just trying to get all the oils and all the flavor from all those aromatics and all that stuff into the brine. It's all you're trying to do. Okay. Then take a colander, slap it into a big bowl, strain out your brine. Now you're going to take that bowl, throw the lemon juice into it. And just let it sit. Just let it sit and come to room temperature. And then you're going to chuck it into the refrigerator to chill. There are a lot of different methods of preparing turkey and, and for brining turkey and whatnot. And I know some people do dry brines. I know some people will do it in a, in a brine to thaw it at room temperature. I don't really trust that. I mean, Alton Brown does it. And, you know, who doesn't trust Alton Brown? I love Alton Brown. But, you know, I'm somebody who I don't know that I would be kind of 
fortuitous enough to really pay attention enough if I did it in like a cooler with like ice water and like ice packs and all this stuff like he recommends, I'd never ever be able to pull that off, I don't think. Now, I have done it both ways in the past. So if your bird is fresh, you only really need to brine the turkey for roughly a day. 24, 48 hours tops. You don't need to go overkill here when you're brining a turkey that's fresh. Because what you're going to do is you're going to make it too salty. You're going to infuse too much salt into the meat of the bird. Don't really need to do it. So if it's a fresh turkey, I would recommend a day, two days, absolutely tops. If your bird's frozen, which mine was, so this is what I did specifically for this year's Thanksgiving, and I've done this in the past as well. I just took the whole turkey, completely frozen, unwrapped it, chucked it in a stock pot, and then poured the refrigerated brine. Again, make sure your brine's refrigerated. You don't want to put anything in contact with a turkey that could even remotely bring part of its temperature up above 40 degrees. You want to keep the turkey nice and cold, refrigerated, chilled, chilled, chilled. I poured it over the frozen turkey and I covered it. And that bad boy is going to sit in that marinade for three days. Three days. And while it thaws, the brine's going to infuse its way into the meat. But we got, again, a 23-pound turkey. You're going to want to adjust this depending on the size of the turkey. If you only have like a 10 or 12 or 15-pound turkey, you don't need to brine it for three days even to thaw it because it's not going to take that long to thaw. You're talking maybe two tops in that case. A lot of this is going to be dependent on the size of your bird, so make sure you keep that in mind. And if you guys have questions, please get at me on social media. I'd be happy to help you out. So the night before, take it out of the fridge. You're going to drain it out, and then you're going to pat it dry with paper towels. Now, you're going to prepare yourself some herbed butter or buy it. If you're not somebody who wants to prepare it, just buy it. That's perfectly fine. Buy some at the store. I just did release that quick bite episode about herbed butter. Please go and check that out. It is less than five minutes in length. So it's a really, really quick listen if you want to give it a spin. But prepare yourself some herbed butter and then you're going to just slit up underneath the front of the breast, up underneath the skin and just kind of open up in there and get your hand up in there with some of that herbed butter and just massage it all into the skin. You want to do a stick of butter total for your herbed butter. So put half of it in here and then the other half, you're going to rub all over the top of that skin. Once you've got it buttered, stick it on the roasting pan, uncovered back into the fridge and just leave it in there overnight. Let everything else kind of dry out. Let the rest of the juices kind of drain out of it and everything, you know, all the loose water and everything like that. Cause you really don't, want any extra moisture like that because you want nice crispy skin. Now, when we come to roasting day, there are a couple of different methods that you can employ here. You can spatchcock your turkey and you would do this beforehand. I've personally never done it. I believe you would do it beforehand, though. I don't think you would do it at this point. You would probably want to, I would think if you were going to brine the turkey, you would then spatchcock it before you brined it, but you need to do it fresh. Obviously, you're not spatchcocking a frozen turkey unless you try to do it with an axe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Don't do that. <laughs> so I have for a lot of years, and this is just something that was, you know, handed down to me from like my mother and father and whatnot. Uh, I use oven bags. I've always used an oven bag. I've never, you know, I think one time I did it without an oven bag and oven bags. The difference between using an oven bag and not using an oven bag is in an oven bag, your skin's probably not going to get quite as crispy as it would outside. Fair. Very, very fair. If you're somebody who has to be hardcore about crispy turkey skin, I get it. I get it. 
I don't really care all that much, to be frank. And it does basically almost cut your cooking time for your turkey in half. No matter how you're cooking it, of course, on roasting day, you're going to take it out of the fridge. If you're stuffing it or if you're just putting a bunch of aromatics like lemons and onions and all sorts of things in the cavity, get that stuff in there and get it prepared. If you're going to stuff the bird or you're going to put a bunch of stuff in the cavity, you're going to fill it up. It's going to probably take an additional 30 minutes. So just make sure that you keep that in mind, especially if you're doing like all bread stuffing, because it's going to be very thick and you're going to want to make sure that your stuffing is heated and cooked all the way through as well as the meat. If you're using an oven bag, you're going to go to 350 degrees. Add a tablespoon of cornstarch into an oven bag and spray the interior of it with cooking spray. You want to do your best to try to help the bag from sticking to the turkey. Stick the bird in there, and then you're going to stick it back onto your roasting pan. Cut a few one-inch slits in the top of the bag. If it's not stuffed, 8 to 10 minutes a pound, 9 to 12 minutes a pound if it is stuffed. Larger birds, and, and this is based on, you know, a couple different things that I read, including from like Reynolds, the company that makes the oven bags that I get, you know, you're going to want to go with less time per pound if the bird's bigger because it's under more sustained heat for longer. So if it's in there for a shorter amount of time, the cooking time is actually longer per pound. I don't know how the science of that works, but it does. Mine specifically this year is probably going to take roughly three and a half hours. Now, if you don't use an oven bag, if you're not an oven bag person, if you're like, Nick, what is this oven bag nonsense you're talking about? Get out of here with that. Okay. Okay. I got you covered. Go to 325. You're going to stick your bird on the elevated rack on the roasting pan. And all these are, the oven rack should be down at like the B position in your oven, which is like one rack above the bottom rack. It's not the absolute bottom one that's right above your heating element in your oven, especially if it's electric. It's like the next one up. It's not the middle. If your bird is stuffed, you're going to do 18 to 20 minutes a pound, 16 to 18 minutes per pound if it's not. Again, follow that kind of half an hour rule of thumb. Again, if your bird is stuffed, it's going to take more time than it would if it's not stuffed. So make sure you're accounting for that. And like I said, generally speaking, a half an hour of extra time in the oven is what it's going to take. Calculate out how long it's going to take for your turkey to finish based on the size of it. And then you're going to want to start checking the temperature of it about 30 to 60 minutes before the turkey's finished. I personally am not a big fan whenever I'm doing anything in the oven of opening the oven, because what do you do when you open the oven? The heat's coming out. And there are a lot of people, they will check their turkey like incessantly, like all the time, dumping the thermometer in there, like stabbing it, stabbing it, stabbing it, stabbing. Don't do that. Please don't do that. A lot of cooking turkey is just not overcooking turkey. All you need to do is make sure it's cooked all the way through. You just don't want it to go over. Okay. That's really the most important thing. If you notice that your skin, especially if you're doing this without a bag, you're going to want to make sure you put like a little bit of foil over the breast so that way the skin over the breast doesn't burn. Have faith. Trust the math. Trust the science. Trust your oven. If your oven's good, if your oven works properly, Trust the time that it's going to take to cook your turkey. Don't open the oven all the time. And then if you do have to open it, check your temperature. If you have it stuffed, you're going to want to make sure the stuffing's at 165 or you're going for the thickest part of the thigh, not hitting a bone. Make sure you're at 165. If you're not there, leave it back in there for 15 to 20 minutes or so. You know, it depends on where the temperature was when you gauged it. Don't like some people will just open the oven like 
all the time, every five minutes. You're not even giving it a chance to get back up to the 325 or 350 or whatever. And I know a lot of turkeys come with those little pop-out things. Don't trust those things. Whenever your bird is done, go ahead and take it out of the oven. If it is in a bag, you're going to want to take it out of the bag. If it's not in a bag, then you're fine. You're going to want to remove any stuffing or aromatics from the turkey if you put them in there. Take the stuffing and put it into a big oven-safe bowl. If you're worried that maybe you just want to make sure that it did cook all the way through, whenever you do your dressing or whatever else you might have to throw in the oven, throw that in there with it. I sometimes will, but usually it generally turns out pretty good. Let your bird rest. You're going to tint it with foil and let it rest for 20 to 30 minutes before you cut into it. Let the juices redistribute. My mother was one of those people who when that bird came out of the oven, there was a carving knife into it like almost that second. Don't do that, please. Have you ever had really, really dry turkey on Thanksgiving? Really, really dry turkey is a symptom of one of two things. Either A, it got really overcooked, or B, it got cut into way too fast and those juices didn't get a chance to redistribute after it came out of the oven and they all poured out all over the plate or the cutting board or whatever it's on. Please let your bird rest. About halfway through your bird's resting cycle, so give it at least 10 minutes or so, there's going to be a lot of juices and stuff on the platter. You're going to want to dump those into your roasting pan and then take all those pan drippings, all those juices and everything, throw them into a saucepan. If you're not quite at four and a half to five cups, which is about where you want to be, so say between four and five, I would err more on the side of five and then you're going to reduce your weight to four. But go ahead and, and add some water and some better than bouillon turkey. I always recommend better than bouillon if you're going to be making any kind of stock or any kind of gravy because it's amazing. And hey, depending on the size of your bird, you might not need that much. You might only need a couple. So make sure you're having this if you don't need a lot of turkey. This is basically for kind of my size turkey that I'm going for here. And you're going to do a one cup to one tablespoon ratio of water to better than bouillon if you're going to be pumping up your pan drippings, if you're going to need to add more to it. But like I said, you probably want about five cups and you're going to reduce it to four and a half cups. Just bring it to a boil and then you're going to taste it. You're going to see what it needs. And I mentioned this earlier when I talked about mashed potatoes, but I feel like gravy is another one of these foods that you never know. You never know how it's going to turn out from time to time when you make it. So taste it. What does it need? Is it too salty? Is it not salty enough? Does it need some pepper? If you want to, while you're reducing this, while you're cooking this, chuck some onion, chuck some garlic in there. You're just going to have to pick them out later before you go and add your cornstarch slurry. Then when this is all ready, you're going to add two tablespoons of cornstarch to a quarter of a cup of water. Like I said, reduce it by about a half to three quarters of a cup or maybe even a full cup. Get it down between from four to four and a half cups, somewhere in that neighborhood. Let those flavors start to concentrate. Then cold water, a quarter of a cup, two tablespoons of cornstarch, mix that into a cornstarch slurry, bam, hit it into the pan. It's going to start to thicken up pretty quickly. Just let it cook for a few minutes to let that cornstarch flavor cook out of there and to just let it thicken up. Make sure you add your final seasonings and then boom, you're done. Gravy is done. Now, by the time you finish your gravy, probably has at least been 20 minutes since the bird came out of the oven, if not a little bit more. Let the bird continue to rest if there's anything else that you need to finish up before you cut into it. Because that turkey, especially tented under that foil, is going to hold all that heat really well. It's not going to get cold. <laughs> I promise you it won't. And then when you're ready, go ahead and carve that turkey. And especially with the brine and especially, like I said, with letting it rest, tenting it with the foil and everything, you're just going to make sure that that turkey stays beautifully moist, amazingly juicy. 
If you're a baster, I, again, I'm not a baster because I don't want to open the oven because the more times you open the oven, the more times that that oven's got to spend getting back up to temperature to catch up on your cook time. So every time you open the oven, you're just adding minutes to your overall cook time. And on Thanksgiving, I think I was talking to Rebecca about this. I feel like Thanksgiving is one of the most hangry holidays because everybody's kind of withholding a little bit because they don't want to eat because they want to save room for the big meal. But then, you know, if dinner starts to drag, everybody's hungry and everybody's snippy and then you're already, well, hopefully not this year, socially distanced and everything, but you're usually packed in with family that you don't see very often. And, you know, maybe you're not too thrilled to see sometimes, whatever the case may be. But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the featured recipe for this week. If you do brine your turkey, please let me know how it turns out. I Love it. I swear by it. I will never not brine a turkey whenever I make turkey, ever. Like I said, if you're doing a turkey fresh, I would recommend a day at most, maybe a day and a half tops. Two days is even overkill when it comes to that, and you could risk too salty. I wouldn't necessarily go in that direction, but let me know how it turns out. Do you do it in a bag? Do you just do it by itself? Do you spatchcock it? I know there's a lot of people that do that kind of thing. Do you deep fry it? I know there's adherence to that. Never deep fry a frozen turkey, people. Please, please never. King of Random did a whole video on it. Just, yeah, it explodes. (laughs) Don't do it. Please don't do it. It's bad. Hot oil plus frozen. No. Oh, I hope that you all have such a beautiful Thanksgiving. Such an absolutely amazing holiday because you deserve it. If you have not already, ladies and gentlemen, please follow me on social media at Nikolai's Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See all the food pictures and all the food posts I do before I talk about them on the show here. And you can also make requests. You can also throw recipe ideas at me. You can throw anything you want at me, and I will gladly take it in. I'm also going to be doing a random recipe challenge probably early in the new year based on the recording schedule that I'm looking at right now. Think chopped, but I get to take a random result generator and just throw all your results in there and then just randomly pick a bunch of those and then try to make a meal out of it. I really, really loved doing it before. I really love the challenge and it's the thing that made me make homemade pasta for the first time and a couple other things that I had never tried before until I did it. And I'm glad that I did it. So if you have not already, I would appreciate it so, so much if you would head to Apple Podcasts and leave the show a five-star review. Let them know that you love me. Let them know that you love the show because the more ratings and reviews that I get, the further up their rankings and their algorithms that I will get pushed and the more people will tune into the show. And I really want to get to as many ears as I possibly can and share all this amazing and delicious food. Next week, as I said, herbed butter salmon. You guys are not going to want to miss this. I'm also going to be making a ton of other stuff. I'm probably going to have a quick bite or two that's going to be coming out in the next week or two as well. I want to talk about these potatoes. I want to talk about cranberry sauce and I want to pepper them all in here, but I don't want to make this episode like two hours long either. So (laughs) I love you all so, so much. You are all so beautiful and I hope that your Thanksgiving is absolutely blessed. Please stay safe out there and please be good to each other. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you all so much for coming on this journey with me.